Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the season finale of the Women of Golf Show for 2023. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I am doing extremely well. I'm very, very excited to have uh, our special guest joining us here in just a moment uh, to help finalize, uh, I think, another successful 2023 season. And uh, looking forward to a little bit of a break, as I'm sure you are, um, from the show and and, uh, get ready for, for 2024. But other than that, I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? Doing well, getting ready for Christmas. There's no snow in Buffalo today. Wow. that's I think that's a first, isn't it? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I wish there was snow. Yeah, you... I don't like it when it's cold rain. I'd rather have snow. Yeah. Um, now, you guys have had snow this year already, though, right? Yeah. A couple weeks um, ago. There's yeah, that's what I thought. Uh-huh. I and and you... And just on a side note, I think you've got to be, um, if I remember correctly, and God, I hope I'm getting this right, um, the Bills won, right, just recently? They actually did. They, it, they, they pulled did. it up. To the chagrin Against. of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> someone was yeah. offside. And he got a little ticked off. Yeah. But. Yeah, he got just a little, but uh, hey. It is what it is. It's part of the game, and you gotta you got to suck it up, as they say. But All right, we've got a great show for you this morning. As I mentioned, we're going to uh, be closing out uh, 2023 and be taking an extended break, and we'll be uh, fired back up on February 6th. will be the first uh, Tuesday that we'll be coming back in 2024. So we're going to take a break, enjoy the holidays with uh, friends and family and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff going on, and then we will uh, come back up with some new guests and some interesting uh, discussions here on the Women of Golf. So I hope you'll come back and join us in 2024. Um, all right, as I mentioned, we've got a great special guest this morning, a young lady uh, by the name of Roberta Leedy. Uh, she's actually been on the show. I was looking back as I told her off air. Uh, she was on her show March 15th of 2022. was uh, her first uh, time with us, and now she's back again uh, this week, but changed a little bit. Uh, she didn't have uh, any wins this year on uh, the Epson Tour, but uh, she had some incredible ball striking, uh, which uh, helped obviously keep her play consistent and uh, actually led the tour in greens and regulation uh, for pretty much the whole season with a a whopping 82.58%. 
and um, she finished in eight spots in of the top ten to earn her 2024 LPJ Tour card. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Roberta Leedy. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. We're we're excited to have you, um, and thank you. And congratulations, by the way, on getting your card. I know that you're you were saying just off air a few moments ago that you're really excited and looking forward to a great 2024 out in the LPJ. Yeah, thank you so much. It's very exciting, you know, just to be able to be out there full time this next year, and you know, just continue following the dream, you know. That's right. That's right. You've got to keep plugging away, as they say, and you did a great job. Uh, as I said, you didn't, didn't get any wins, unfortunately, in, in 2023 out in Epson, but you obviously played some phenomenal golf that got you uh, up in that top ten, which is no easy feat. So uh, that deserves uh, a good hand of applause as well. So, um, Cindy, do you want to go Thank ahead? You so much. Yeah. Needless to say, you know, Winning greens in regulation means that you are super consistent with ball striking. What makes you so amazing at that? Well, personally, I think that what truly, you know, made my game consistent, my long game consistent in the last couple of years was the way I decided to structure my, you know, my practice and my time out there. I think what I what I did with my coach was to make sure that we weren't just doing new things every week. We just kept doing the same thing. We structured the work in the off season in November through January. We figured out what was important for me to work on as far as technique and then we kept doing the same thing throughout the whole year without trying to come up with new things every time something wasn't going perfect. And then at the same time, I added to that technical work a lot of performance and a lot of on-course play, and I think that's what kept it consistent throughout the year. When you say you added on-course play, what do you mean by that? I like to go out and play like nine holes and just, you know, hit different balls, hit different shots, and just practice the different skills that you're not able to practice on a flat lie on the range with two alignments fixed. So just, you know, hit, drop three balls and just hit one from a downhill lie, one from the rough, from different distances, hit different tee shots with different clubs, hit fairway bunker shots, to hit long bunker shots into the green from 60, 70 yards, and all these shots that you can't really practice on the range but the, at the end of the day, those are the shots that are going to make the difference out there. And, you know, you're not always going to find your ball on a flat lie, unfortunately, on the course, almost never. So I think that's what, you know, then made the difference to just bring the technical work that I did on the range in tournament play. That is so awesome. So awesome. I'm going to make all my students listen to that. Because I don't think people understand it's really, um, I hate to say it, but it's kind of boring and it's repetitive work over and over again. And it's funny because one of my students' dad said, and the dad doesn't play golf that much. The son was just at a, a hurricane tour event, championship hurricane tour event. 
He said, well, he needs to work on his driver. And I said, why does he need to work on his driver? Well, because when he gets up over a shot, he doesn't hit the driver in the fairway. And I said, I don't think it's his driver. I think it's his thinking, you know, again, because he's trying right. to hit it in the fairway. It's not the driver. It's his head, you know. And right. so it's his lesson. And normally he takes lessons from Alan. So my husband and I both played on tour. And Alan's, you know, a real quiet, shy, was uh, Dave Pels has tested him. He's the second purest ball striker Dave Pels has ever tested. So Alan was in the top 25 in fairways and greens hit and all that stuff like you, right? And I'm right. more of a lunatic, <laughs> don't hit it straight, but more of a head person. And And I said to this young man, I said, this has nothing to do with your golf swing. It has everything to do with your head. And so I proved it to him. And what you're saying is absolutely true. Yes, you have to stand there and do the same thing on the range, but then you have to be able to go use it on the course. Right. So thank thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now tell us, would you go out and play a practice round? Of course, I'm assuming you would do this alone. What's that? Yes. You would play your practice rounds alone. Um, a lot of times, yes. You know, I think as I as I spend more and more years on tour, I figured that I needed to do my own thing a little bit more than, you know, just go play practice rounds with people and just try to, you know, focus and get my work done. So, yeah, I definitely played a lot of alone practice rounds this year. Did you play them at certain times when there were less people out there so that you could hit these two, three balls and pick shots that you could, yeah, again, I would do that too, either really early or really late. Right. So no one's bothering you. Times are really good times to do this. Yeah, like don't bother me. Yep. (laughs) Okay, Todd, you can have a turn. All right, well, thank you. Um, so, <laughs> Roberta, let me ask you. Yeah, <laughs> I've been just I've been just soaking it all in, and and uh, now I, I I finally I think figured out with my own game is I've been waiting for those perfectly flat lies out in the golf course. Now I realize, Roberta, they don't exist as you so I'll have to change yeah. my uh, my mindset as well. So let me ask you. Uh, you know, I, I've watched some videos uh, of you and, and different interviews and things like that, and I know that there's been moments throughout your career because um, you, you've been out there for a little while. And, you know, where you just thought, eh, I'm going to throw in the towel or I just don't know if I can keep doing this and whatever. Um, but despite all that, you've, you've definitely persevered. And here you are going out to the LPJ next year as a, as a, a full member. What do you think is the, yeah. one of the most important things that you've learned about yourself so far in this career? What, what about yourself have you learned? with all these years just out there grinding it and playing it, what, what, have you, what do you say to yourself or what do you think about yourself as a player now when you're out there? Well, you know, a lot has changed in the last few years. And I think when you go from amateur golf to professional golf, what people don't realize is that it's a completely different world. And, you know, if, if especially if you come from college golf, you're used to people telling you what to do and not really having to take care of yourself a whole lot. And all of a sudden, you're out there on your own and trying to figure out how long to practice for, what to do, what not to do, and what time to wake up. And it's all this is like a long process of trying to figure out 
what works best for you really and it's what works best for me it's not what works best for another player even if the other player is the number one player in the world and I think what I've learned in the last few years is to just listen to myself and stop looking around so much I looked around in the way that you can always learn from other players and from what they do well and and always like take something out of that but I think at the end of the day, it's what works best for you, and what works for you is your unique recipe for success. And I think you only learn that when you keep doing that and you keep finding out, you know, what 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 brings you success and what doesn't really at the end of the day. And I think I've learned a lot of, you know, truly what what my week on tour looks like and how to make the most out of my time out there. And as far as, you know, my self-confidence as a player, I would say that, you know, I I think as you get through the downs of the sport, I think you learn how to get back up and how to trust yourself and how to believe in yourself, which is what everybody says. But it takes a little bit of, you know, falling and a little bit of going through the tough times to then, you know, learn to pick yourself up and just know that you can do that. And I think that what made the difference this past year compared to the beginning is that I truly learned as I went that I did belong out there. You know, even when I got my card last year at qualifying school, I realized I I can be out there. And I think it was just, you know, a a process of building up my self-trust. And I think that's what... The player I am today is definitely a completely different player than I was five years ago when I turned pro. So basically now you believe in yourself more than what you did at one point is, is really what you're saying, is you have a, a stronger belief that you know you can do it because you, you've really been there. I mean, you've, you've played for a number of years. You know that you're able to compete with some of the best in the world, and so that's obviously increased your confidence. Why do you think so many yeah. amateur golfers, right? I mean, is that not right, though? Um, yes. You, yeah. you now have mm-hmm. more confidence, so you feel better about yourself. I mean, not that you should ever feel bad about yourself, but you feel better as far as your when it comes to your game, that you feel much better about yourself because you've been out there, you've battled it out, and here you are, you've got your LPJ card for next year. So um, right. you right. know that you're obviously able to get the job done. Um, what I was I'm starting to ask you was – why do you think so many amateurs struggle with their golf game? What is it? If, if you were to isolate a couple of things, if you were to, you know, put teaching cap on if, if it, as it were, and you were standing out on the range and you were watching a bunch of amateurs, what is it that you see them doing or not doing that you think um, could make a difference? I think, I think the the two major things I see is that on one side, I see people, spending a lot of time doing the wrong things and you know just to go back to what I was talking about with Cindy it's like I see people spending hours on the range just banging one ball after the other with absolutely no purpose whatsoever and I see them spending hours on the putting green just like truly just getting nothing productive done and just like accumulating time and I think it almost makes what I learned is that it almost makes you worse and it doesn't at the end of the day, it's like if you have done something with absolutely no purpose, you've probably picked up more wrong tendencies than good ones. And I think on the other side, 
I think on the other side, when I a lot, a lot of times when I see amateurs, I think they don't understand a lot of times the what it takes. What I mean by that is I hear so many amateurs coming off the course and saying how horrible they are and how bad, how bad they putt. And I think when I look at them play, you see these people missing greens from 100 yards. You see people putting from 30, 40 feet every time. Yeah, every time they come off the course and they tell you how many three putts they had and how bad they putt, but they never had an opportunity to even make a putt. Or they only right. put themselves up for making three putts. And I think that's the biggest thing because it really blows my mind every time because it's so easy to blame your putter. And I, I mean, I'm the first one to do that, but I think I've, in the years as a pro, I've learned to have the tools to understand when it's my putter's fault and when I need to be working on something else. You know what I mean? Yep. You, you said it perfectly. And, and I, I couldn't have, I don't think I could have picked two better areas than what you did myself uh, when analyzing amateurs. And, you know, really the, the first one really involves managing your time better and practicing with the purpose. Right. And that's what you're right. That's what a lot of amateurs do. They'll spend, you know, hours out there on the practice tee or on the putting green but they don't really have a purpose. And, you know, some of them might play a game or two out there and pretend or, you know, use a little bit of imagination. But for the most part, they're raking and hitting balls or, you know, they'll drop three or four, you know, balls on the putting green and they'll just putt from the same distance. And they might move a couple of times, but they don't really, you know, get down there and, and, and look at the slope, read the green or that sort of thing. And then the other thing right. that you mentioned too really goes into a lack of an honest assessment of their game. They're coming off blaming one area of the game when really if they would improve another area, it would improve that area as well, correct? Correct. Correct. Absolutely. So it's really not having a, a, a true understanding of what it is uh, or where in their game really needs the, the you know, some, some extra work in. And, and it's just, a, it's a lack of poor planning. They don't plan. They just, and, and I understand for somebody that just maybe plays a couple of times a year, they don't need to really worry about that. But if they really want to get serious about their game, then, then you have to do just that. You have to really practice with purpose, and you have to sort of put a game plan together. And the best way to do that is to go and see your, your local professional. Um, before I toss it back to Cindy, I just have another a quick question for you. If you were not playing golf, if golf was not your career choice, what else do you think you'd like to do? You know, that's always the $1 million question, and I never have an answer for that. I think, you know, um, I, I don't really have an answer for that. I think that, you know, obviously, you know, I went to college, I got my degree in business, and I'm, you know, I would say I'm very interested in the business world and numbers, but I don't know if I I have a really good answer for that. I think when I went to college, I wanted to be a sports agent if I didn't become a player. And I don't know. And today I don't really have an answer for that. I, I, I will see what, you know, where this life takes me after golf. Well, let me, let me rephrase the question a little bit differently then besides golf. I mean, obviously you have a passion for golf. Is there anything else? Let's forget about careers, put careers aside for a second. Is there anything else that you're really passionate about? Like, do you enjoy, you know, working with children? Do you enjoy, you know, working with animal, you know, animals and, you know, that sort of thing. Is there something that you're really passionate about off the golf course? Maybe that's a better way to phrase it. I think what I'm, the, I think what I'm the most passionate about off the golf course would be traveling and, you know, learning new cultures and just truly just exploring the world. So I think that's what I like to do when I don't play golf is just, you know, 
learn about different culture, different places in the world. So I that that would be my answer, I guess. Yeah, that's a good one. Learn something new. I think that I'm all for that as well. I think that's a great uh, a great passion to have, and uh, and you get to do a little bit of that traveling now uh, as you play on the LPGA. You're going to be playing in different areas, not just here in the United States, but uh, be able to travel around the world. So you get to live both the best of both worlds, play some golf and enjoy some of the local uh, uh, culture and so forth as well, and learn a little bit about that as you go along. So that's a great answer. I, I love that. Yeah, I, I don't I don't blame you. <laughs> Um, Cindy, go ahead. So you went to Arizona State. Did you meet Debbie Cruz? Absolutely. Debbie, Debbie How cool is she? How freaking cool is she? She's the best. I've worked with her for many, many years. And, I mean, oh she's just my God. the first before how knowledgeable she is in her field. She's just an incredible person. And I, know, uh, I feel so to cross by with her, truly. Yeah, I love her. I sent, <laughs> we've got three kids, and one of them wanted to play, and he still plays. He's, in fact, he played in the USGA Mid-Am and the best four ball this year, and he just had his third kid in, within two years, so I'm like, you know, you need <laughs> to put that thing away, buddy. But um, anyway, uh, he went down there. He had the yip. And when he got done with her, he came back and he won a tournament at Augusta State. He beat Webb Simpson when they were in college, and he she fixed his yips. But I just I freaking love her and Lynn and Pia and all those guys. So I saw that. In fact, they brought us in to help when Alejandra Munoz was there. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, and it, it was funny because Alan and I both went. And Alejandra loves Alan. And I'm like, what do you mean? Why don't you like me? Well, you're just a little bit too much of a lunatic. <laughs> I like him because he's nice and shy and quiet. Anyway, um, so what do you do when you're not playing? What do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? I, 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 what do I do? I travel. I eat a lot of food, trying different foods and just, you know, enjoying the off-season time when it comes to that, and I go back home to Italy and visit my family. And you know, I like to play different sports, but it's I try not to do that because I don't need to get injured at this time of my life. So I try to lay low and not do too much. But I definitely like to just you know reconnect with my people when I have time, and it's not during the season, and just travel and just truly enjoy some resting time because the season takes a lot out of you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. When you practice, like it's off season now, so hopefully you're taking some time and chilling, but you're also working on what you're going to, you know, do for next year and you've got a game plan. But when you're getting you know, revved up for the season, what would a day of practice look like? And I'm asking because we teach an awful lot of kids up here, believe it or not, in Buffalo who want to play college golf. Uh, So I'm asking for uh, a a parent's knowledge and the kids and asking because I know that you want to play 
and I heard in your comments about when I found out what I need to do for me. So I'm big right. into, uh, let me just also rephrase this. Um, this Friday, we've got a, a unique story. Um, a guy emailed us about three, four weeks ago and said, I read an article about Alan, my husband, that was yep. in Sports Illustrated, and Alan was an alcoholic and tried to commit suicide because he never really measured up to what he was supposed to be on the PGA Tour. And it was an article in Sports Illustrated, and he's coming up here to do a one-hour feature that's going to be on PGA Tour Serious Radio in May for Mental Health Month. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a big deal, and going to talk about, you know, him winning the Canadian Amateur and all this other stuff. Alan played the Masters by teaching an awful lot of kids, and we're very, very mindful of parents pushing children, right? So I would like to know you being able to learn about what you need to do for you and not the committee of day telling you what you need to do and how you practice and get ready for you to be able to be the best player for you. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think that a, a day, truly a day in the life when, you know, the season is about to start, it would be I usually like to wake up not super early, but probably around seven, get breakfast and head to the course. I I, I usually work out at night because I don't like to get sore and just, you know, get overworked before I go practice. So I just head to the course probably, you know, around nine in the morning. And I usually in the morning I do short game, so putting and and shipping, and I usually spend about an hour on each part of the game, and then an hour to an hour and a half, you know, depending on how long it takes me, and then I I get lunch, and then I go on the range and practice again for an hour to an hour and a half, and, you know, just practice my technique, hit some random shots, and then I like to go play. So I play nine holes almost every day, I either play one 18 holes and I just warm up and play 18, or I just do the full, you know, I go around all the different parts of the game and then I go play nine holes and hit, as I told you, just different shots. And then my day probably ends around 4, 4.30, and then I just go to the gym and that's it. That's the end of the day. And I think that the way to better explain it is I – before I even go out there, I definitely have a plan of everything I'm going to do. Like I'm going to spend as much time on my technique and I'm going to do this drill and that drill. And I'm going to, you know, practice these extra shots on the course. And then I just go do it and whatever time it takes me, you know, sometimes some drills take longer than others. But I say I practice probably about six hours maybe six and a half hours a day plus, and then I work out on top of that. That's awesome. awesome. And I mean, it's not like a light day, but you know, I feel when, when you truly go out there with a plan that you know what you want to do, then like you don't, you don't feel so tired because you're achieving things that you wrote down. That's how I feel personally. That's great. That's great. Let me, uh, Roberta. Let me ask you just to sort of piggyback on on your your um, preparation and that. 
do you work to criteria that you said in your practice? Do you, okay, you have certain things that you want to accomplish in that. Um, do you set, you, you set a time, let's say it's an hour and a half for certain things. When that hour and a half, I mean, not saying that you're putting a stopwatch there or whatever, but um, do you continue on? If, you're, if you don't feel you've quite achieved what you wanted to, will you continue to work through that process a little bit longer? Or do you say, no, I've, I've agreed to limit myself to an hour and a half for today, and whatever I don't accomplish, I'll pick up tomorrow. How do you, how do, you do that? Because the reason why I ask that is you'll see some people will get out there and they'll hit some really good shots, and I'm talking about amateurs, of course, and they'll kind of, okay, well, I'm hitting them good. I'm going to stop. But maybe there's things that they could still be doing. And then there's others that will just keep going and going and going. So how do you, how do you know when to stop for you? So I think for me the general rule of thumb is definitely on the range and on the putting green, I will not take extra time for two reasons. First, on the range, there are some days that just your body feels different and just you, it just doesn't feel right. And I'd rather go play on the course and almost learn how to play when I don't feel comfortable than continue almost taking bad tendencies because at that point, you know, for whatever reason, I can't really seem to, like, strike the ball. So the more time I spend, the worse I'm going to get at that point. So once I do my drills and what I set myself to do, I either go play or I call it a day. And um, on the putting green, the same. I'm not... I don't like to lose my mind if I start, I don't know, putting, doing certain drills, which I don't love to do, but even just putting around and just not, they're not rolling them in. They're not rolling in. I, I don't love to continue putting. Cause again, I think I, at the point I start getting in my head and just getting to internalize negative feelings. The only place that I would say it is beneficial to spend extra time would be the chipping green. Because I think from from my experience, it's the one place that truly, the more you do it, the better you get. And everywhere else, I think if you start getting in your head or you're just in the wrong place, you there comes a point where you start getting worse. And you start, like, you know, there's no improving. And on the chipping green, so if it's not a good day, maybe I'll spend an ex- extra time on the chipping green, but that's really the only place where I would do that. How do yeah, you're, you know you're exactly... when, sorry to interrupt, okay. but how do you know when it's like, okay, this is not good. I've got to go do what i got to do for me. Well, you know, it's like, I feel like on the, on the range, I just can feel it when I can just like make the right contact. And it's just like, there are some days that you just go out there, whether you're tired or whether you, I don't know, didn't sleep well, whatever the reason may be, or like the range just doesn't feel good. Like the range is like on a down, slightly downhill slope. You're not really getting it together. I, I just truly, sometimes I don't even get through my practice. If it's really bad, it means it's just not the time for me to spend any time in it. And truly I'd rather go play because if I play bad on the course, at least I feel like I'm learning to score by playing bad. And, I mean, there are not that many of those days where you truly can figure out to make contact, but it's truly what I think it's the only way to make the most out of a day like that is to go on the course and figure out how to score. And I think on the range, I'm just picking, I'm just picking up the wrong tendencies. And on the putting green, I just know when it's not a good day and I start missing putts and then I get angry over them 
and then I truly just keep internalizing so many negative emotions. And, you know, as P and Lin would say, it takes, you know, it takes three good shots to make up for one bad feeling when you internalize a negative emotion. So I just try to limit that when it comes to that. I totally agree. Totally agree. That's why I'm asking. Yep. Very good. Um, Great answer. So let me just ask you one last question. Um, As a player overall, how would you assess your play? Are you, would you consider yourself uh, a more aggressive player? And and what I mean by that, you know, do you essentially go for everything? Are you very aggressive on the golf course or are you somebody that's a little bit more um, conservative on the golf course or, or are you somebody that's sort of in between where you're a little bit conservative in your play, but when the opportunity presents itself, then you go for it. So how would you characterize your play? Are you more aggressive? Are you conservative entirely? Or are you a little mixture of both? So I think that as a general nature of my own personality, I would be a more aggressive player on the course. I think when I was young, I was a very aggressive player, and I would pretty much go for everything. I think with, you know, you know, different coaches you cross paths with, they try to put some sense into you in a lot of ways. And, you know, a little bit of play here and there, it doesn't help either. And you start becoming a little more careful as you get older and a little bit more conservative. I think that I've gone through different phases in the years. I think I've gotten through phases when I wasn't playing so well that I kind of, you know, in a way lost myself as a player and that I started playing very conservative. And I think right now I'm in a phase where I'm trying to understand, like, truly my ability as a player and when it's time to go for it and when it's not. So I would say I'm probably in an in-between phase right now, but I'm I'm trying to get back to ultimately my nature as a player, which is to be a little bit more aggressive because I think I can also pick up some shots if I'm playing well. So just kind of get rid of the fear of, you know, those bad memories of when I wasn't playing so well and just trying to, you know, kind of own it again. I think that's a, a great way to, uh, yeah, I think that's a great way to, uh, um, you know, to explain it. You know, I, I think as a player, you know, you, you obviously mature and you grow and, and you, you know, when you first come out, you're, as the old saying goes, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and you kind of look at the world a little bit differently. But as, you know, everything sort of falls into place, you realize, okay, yeah, you know, I might have been able to do that once, but I can't now, or I have to change my approach if I want to be, you know, more successful as I continue on with my career. So that's just part of the maturity. And I think as as a player, you develop that. Um, and I think all players do that um, as they continue on their, their journey. So, well, I can honestly say we're, we're both very excited for you. Again, congratulations on uh, earning your car for 2024. And enjoy a little... Yeah, enjoy a little bit of the off season before you get uh, fired back out there. I know you got to work on on things. Now you got a lot of other things to do, but uh, much continued success. And I hope you'll come back maybe and join us uh, on another show in 2024. We'll have to keep in touch, but um, I hope you come back and let us know how things are going for for next season out there. We'll let you we'll let you get a few tournaments under your belt, and then maybe come back and join us again for another show. Awesome, anytime. Thank you so much for having me. Good I really luck. enjoyed it. It's a pleasure. Trust Thank it. you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank All right. Thank enjoy you. your holiday Bye. and enjoy your time off. Thank you, Roberta. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye, honey.
what a great young lady. Uh, just yeah. very together. That's you know, awesome. it, it's true. I mean, and I know we, we, you know, kind of half joke about this, uh, you know, over the years, but um, there are certain players when you talk to them that kind of really stand out. And she's one, you know, she's somebody who, you know, still even after all of the, the struggles that she's had to go through over the last several years, because she's been out there for a while. She, her rookie season was 2019. So she's been out there, you know, for a few years and uh, has certainly has some experience under her belt. But she's learned more about herself and what works for her as opposed to, as you pointed out, playing to somebody else's expectations, right? Right. They got to learn. Yeah. And thank God she and hopefully, You know? No, no. And, and you know, I, I, was, I was sort of alluded, I didn't want to get into a whole diatribe about it, but I, I kind of alluded, I watched a couple of videos of other interviews that she had done, and she talked about that where there were a lot, and I'm, I know a lot of the players go through this, but she really – you know, had some struggles. She's been out there. And I think when you first get out there, you, especially if you've been a good college player, as an example, you've been really strong with your college team and you get out there and it's a culture shock. It's like, wow, you know, now you got traveling in there that you have to hook up yourself. It's oh, not yeah. somebody else it's doing hard. the court. You got to, yeah, right. you're spinning right. plates, baby. Right. And, uh, and certainly there are some perks that come along with being an LPGA player that, you know, she obviously uh, wouldn't quite have on the Epson or, or any of the other tours, but, um, but still, again, you have to manage yourself out there. And, um, you know, uh, this experience that she's earned over the last several years is, is certainly going to help her. All right, we're going to get ready to wrap things up, as I said, on our season finale. But first, we'll t- here's a quick message from Golf Tips Magazine. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back. Uh, you're with Cindy and Ted here on the Women of Golf Show, and this is our season finale for 2023, and uh, we're going to be wrapping things up here in just a, a little bit uh, uh, for the season, and then we'll be returning after an extended break, as we always do, uh, for season 11 here on the Women of Golf, and that'll be starting on February 6th, which will be the ner- first Tuesday in February, and we'll be coming back uh well-rested and looking forward to helping a lot of you golfers out there. So I thought since we're kind of, for some, uh, getting into the end of the golf season, um, some players dread this time of year for more serious golfers and others. Hey, they're happy to hang up their clubs for a few months and maybe focus on some other activities that they like. Um, and, and I don't blame either side. I think, uh, you know, this game is obviously can be a little addicting for some and, uh, for some, taking a few months off isn't always easy, but um, it is good to take a break every once in a while. One of the for those lucky ones out there that maybe live in places like I do in Florida and Arizona, California, even South Carolina, um, you know the golf season really uh, doesn't end. So um, we're going to talk about a few things. But Cindy, what do, what do you think for a golf season? What what do you need to know when it goes away for those? What would you like them to do? Would you want them just to? I mean. Some are going to pack their clubs up, but 
in a perfect world, what do you try to encourage your students to do? I mean, I know you have a, a great opportunity there by working inside in the dome, so you can actually hit balls all year round uh, without having to come to a, a sunny uh, state. But what do you like your students to do um, in what would traditionally be the off-season, the winter months? Well, it's the time to work on your game. So, you know, I think everybody should take some time off and don't touch a club just to take a chill pill, right? And then Mm -hmm. once you're bored and you're saying, okay, I'm ready, let's do something different, uh, you evaluate your game and say, okay, what do I need to work on? And then you choose how much am I going to work on this how much do I care? If you don't care, then don't bother doing anything. Just try to stay loose. If you do care and you want to lower your handicap, then uh, you figure out, well, I need to hit more fairways. I need to hit more greens. What do you What do you want to do? And then you make a plan. And then we sit down and discuss that. And then you figure out, well, how many days a week do I need to practice? Kind of like Roberta said. You know, you sit and say, yeah. What do I need to work on? And what am I thinking while I'm standing there hitting balls rather than rake and hit? That's yeah. that's the part, again, um, with these kids. And, I, again, I say kids because they go test it and they play in tournaments. And then they come back and say, well, you know, I hit three shots out of bounds or two shots out of bounds, and I three-putted eight times. Well, why did you mm-hmm. do that? Did you knock it way far by? No, I left it short. Well, now you're protecting, you know. Mm -hmm. So they're not aware of what they're doing to make them score so bad when they stand on the range and hit it perfect. So clearly there's a disconnect. So the point is you have to be willing to look in the mirror to say, why am I doing what I'm doing and how can I change that? So that's, you know, off season it's time to look in the mirror and say, why do I do what I do? And how can I fix yeah, the, it? So. Yeah, the postseason um, is is a great time to not just reflect, but to do a, a really a, a deep dive and assessment of what went on the season. You know, what do you what did you do well? What where did you struggle? To really dial into those things, and then again with your coach or your instructor, then you work on okay, what can I do? What changes can I make? Um, and, and, you know, Roberta, Roberta excuse me, said something that really I think we've talked about many, many times is most people do not practice effectively. They don't practice with any sort of purpose. I mean, she sees that not just, you know, on the driving range, but even over on the putting green. They're just sort of putting along and they're not really doing it. And, and as she said, you know, spend a lot of time uh, around, the, you know, chipping around the greens as well. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do. And... Uh, you know, there's a difference between getting ready to go out and play that day and it's just a, a, a sort of a quick warm-up just to get loose and ready as opposed to actually in a full, you know, bore practice session where you're actually working on specific things in areas of your game. There's a difference there. Uh, you don't want to be tinkering around. If you're getting ready to go and play, you don't want to start monkeying around, changing your grip and all that kind of stuff because you're going to mess yourself up. So you want to make sure at the end of the year, that you figure out, okay, what is it I'm doing right? What is it I'm doing wrong? And you want it to be objective, and you want to work with somebody like yourself, Cindy, um, who can give you those honest answers, not just say, well, you know, I was pretty good. No, actually, you know, Bob, you sucked. You know, you didn't do a great job. 
Um, and then you have to figure out, okay, how to practice in what we would call the off-season. So if you're not somewhere that has the opportunity to come down, you know, here and, and play all year round, um, there's areas that you can practice even inside. You know, um, if you don't have access to an indoor facility, you know, you can kind of do a makeshift putting green. Okay, you're not going to get all the undulations and that, but you can actually work on that, and you, there's drills that you can do. Um, another one, Cindy, I think, is is work on um, maybe start some speed training. That's something you could do rain or shine. There's a lot of great tools um, that can help you uh, with speed to, to generate more speed effectively and correctly. Uh, obviously working on all parts of your short game um, and even working on your, your mental game as well. I mean, that's an area that most people overlook is that self-talk, how do I get myself in the mind, mindset? And, you know, you've touched on over the years – about things that you try to do. Talk about the mental game a little bit. What do you try to do with your students to keep them not just physically on track, but mentally on track as well, so that they're not just, you know, floundering mentally all over the place either? What, is there anything special that you do with them? Cindy? I'm not sure. Thank you. Mic... I hadn't, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Again, you have to develop a pre-shot routine, and one of the students that had just played last, you know, in the last couple of weeks at a hurricane tour event, you know, he said, his dad said, you know, Dad, there's there's trees on the left. I don't want to go in the trees. And and again, not knowing, you know, you don't ever say don't go in the trees because your brain hears go in the trees. So again. You have to do a pre-shot routine of saying, I'm going over here. Where's my smart play from this location? And, again, that's something, you know, that I've tried to teach, but they don't want to hear, and they need to listen to that. When I walk up to the ball, what am I thinking? What's my yardage? What's the wind doing? What's my playable shot? Where am I seeing? Blah, 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 all this stuff. So, it's talking your brain into seeing where you want to go rather than where you don't want to go. And I, I tell them, acknowledge stupid. You can see where stupid would go, but then you're looking over here. This is where I'm going. And, mm-hmm. again, it's very difficult because, again, a lot of times these kids focus on where not to go, and that's where their brain takes them, and that's where their swing takes them. So, yeah, they have, yeah, they have a lot of They have to negatives. learn by screwing it up. Yeah, a lot of times they'll bring in that that negative. Yeah, exactly. And I think also, too, part of the assessment has to be understanding uh, limitations and realistic uh, expectations as well. You know, if you're, um, you know, an eight or nine year old and you're playing in in some of the mini tours um, and you're frustrated because you're, you know, you're watching, um, you know, maybe you have an older sibling or you're watching somebody that, you you know, plays collegiate or on the tour and you can't understand why you're struggling and they're doing so well, well, you're nine years old. Um, You have to, you know, sort of build and develop those skills just like, you know, Roberta talked about, you know, when she first went out on tour, she was certainly a good player, I'm sure, but she hadn't really developed herself in that aspect yet. She was playing, you know, in a different uh, arena, if you will. So I think part of the assessment has to be acknowledging your limitations that doesn't mean that you can never improve, but it just and, and your expectations have to be realistic given the, the, the current circumstances. Would you agree with that? 
Absolutely. Again, you know, you're only five. <laughs> Take a chill pill, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But but you know what I mean? Because like, you, you work with, I mean, I obviously I don't, but you work with a lot of young students, and they do. I mean, you, you know, I've heard you say it yourself, that they have, in some cases, not all cases, um, very unrealistic expectations. You know, they don't understand why they're not hitting it in the fairway, you know, every time. They don't understand why this isn't happening or they don't understand why that's happening. And they're not able to parcel that out in their minds yet because their minds are still developing, obviously. And, you know, they're, they have a, a very youthful, which is good. They have a very youthful approach, but they don't have a lot of experience yet. And I think that um, sometimes gets in their way because they think, okay, I'm just going to go for it and, uh, you know, come hell or high water. But the truth of the matter is um, maybe they're not quite ready at that level yet. What do you think? I totally agree. Or don't understand. And sometimes their parents are just, you know, pushing them. It, it, you know, it all depends on the personality, the dynamics of the situation. There's so many things that go into it and who's pushing who and, you know, and most times parents are trophy hunting, you know, stop oh, pushing jeepers, creepers, let them have fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's that old saying that, you know, their parents are living vicariously through their children. You know, they maybe had aspirations or dreams of, of, you know, sitting on top of the mountain and they didn't quite make it themselves. So they think, okay, well, little, little Susie over here, I'm going to get her into, you know, the top schools or I'm going to get her into the top whatever. And, you know, the poor youngsters sit there. You know, uh, as much as my, uh, you know, my parents would have liked me to have been a straight A student, I was B's and C's and even a few D's along the way. So it just wasn't going to happen for yeah. me. But, you know, you know, and you just have to accept that. But, you know, something that Roberta talked about, which was really interesting is, um, and, and I'm sort of paraphrasing, but, you know, she decided that, you know, she needed to be out there having fun and allowing herself to not get so caught up in the process, in other words, or get caught up in what others wanted or felt that she needed to do and just accept that, okay, this is who I am. This is what is going to make me happy. Because at the end of the day, she's the one that's out there playing. She's the one that's out there earning a living. And if she's playing somebody else's game or to somebody else's, you know, aspirations um, and isn't, you know, cutting the mustard, so to speak, um, well, there's one you don't hear often anymore. Um, you know, that, that just puts her in a position where she's not going to have the strength or the desire to be able to continue on because she's not going to see the results that she would like to receive because she's following somebody else's pattern. And I think you have to, right. you have to sometimes, right? Like you have to sometimes step out of yourself and say, okay, am I doing this for me? Or am I doing this for my parents or a coach or whatever? And that doesn't mean that you don't accept some guidance or, or some, you know, some, some useful tips. But at the end of the day, you're the one that has to filter through it. And it's especially difficult, um, you know, for, for younger folks out there that still are developing, um, you know, mentally. And um, I think that they, they have to keep their expectations realistic. And the best one to do that is somebody in your profession and our, you know, my profession who is able to look at them objectively and say, okay, yeah, I really like this here. Here's some things that we need to work on. 
um, and here's how we can improve that together, but at the same time, respecting the fact that they have to do the process themselves. It's not we can't will it on them. They have to. We can just basically provide them with the tools to help them develop um, much more effectively, and that's really what it boils down to. Um, well, and it also right? boils down to how much they want to do it, you know? Yep. I mean, do they really want to get better? And, you know, is it their desire or is it the parent's desire? Because if it's the parent's desire and not the kids, they're not really going to do it. Right, right, exactly. And it's thing that they have to decide why. It it goes back to what you always say is the why. Um, You know, why are you playing? Why are you here? You know, what is your... You know, what are your goals? It doesn't matter what anybody else wants. It's what are your goals. And if you, once you make that decision, if you decide that, yeah, I want to I do what Roberta's doing, um, then, then that's when you bring in the, the proper help and the professional help and say, okay, here's, I'm really passionate about it. I'm excited about this. I think I've got some talent here, uh, but it needs to be nurtured, what have you. Um, but they have to have they have to make that decision themselves. It can't be done by somebody else because ultimately, if it's not really in if if they're not really passionate about it in their own heart, um, they'll go through the motions because they're trying to make you happy. But at the same time, as you know, as a parent or even it's a coach, it's never going to work. But at the end of the right, yeah. it's never going to work. And and that's okay. You know, that's okay if if your aspirations are not to play on the tour. And it's hard. I, I you know I, I can imagine. You know, you've had discussions with some of the youngsters that you work with. I'm sure they've told you, so it, you, know, you know, I'd love to tell my parents, hey, I don't want to go here or I don't want to do that. It's not easy. You know, they don't want to disappoint, right? Yeah, yeah. Or they say they do, so, but they're not, you know, you got to be willing to look in the mirror. Right, exactly. And uh, it, it's not easy, and, and it's something that we all have to go through. But um, but anyway, so just a quick wrap-up. Um don't look at the off season as necessarily a complete off season. It's certainly a time to take some rest and to recuperate. We're certainly going to do that here on the show for a little over a month, but um, we'll be back ready and fired to go in 2024. But you want to make sure that whatever time you do take off um, from playing, you know, full time or, or regularly, you know, still focus and work on things. And there's things that you can do indoors. Uh, if you've got some indoor facilities near you, there's a lot of them, that have cropped up over the years, so you can find it. You can go to a Top Golf just to keep loosened up. If you've got one in your area, they're all over the place now. Uh, but there's lots of other great facilities as well. Um, and if you don't have that opportunity, you know, just work on some things. You know, get a full length mirror if you don't have one at home, and just lean it up against the wall and just practice your um, your setup and your you know work on your grip. Maybe work on some putting and things like that. Just keep yourself really tuned up. And also, you know, if you don't belong to a gym, you know, get out there, walk, do some things to keep yourself limber. Don't just plunk your, your fanny into a, uh, you know, a, a chair or sofa and just sit there for the next, you know, three to five months until next season. Then you come out and you're rusty and you're wondering why you can't play and you've got to start the whole process again. So assess your game, find out where the weak areas are, work with your coach and your professional to see where we can help uh, improve that and then get out there and have some fun and, I think that's uh, the best way to wrap it up. What do you think? I totally agree. Great job. All right. So so we want to make sure everybody has a great holiday out there. Um, 
safe travels to everybody. We want to especially thank all of the listeners for tuning in each and every uh, week. And uh, we know we had a few weeks here where we had some technical glitches. We're going to try to fo- uh, focus on making that uh, not happen for 2024. Uh, but we appreciate you sticking with us in that. And we hope you come back. We want to thank all of the players and all of the special guests this season in 2023 for joining Cindy and I. We uh, enjoy speaking with them. And hopefully you guys pull a few nuggets away from uh, us as well as them. So uh, on that note, all the best of the season for everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. All of that good stuff. Have a great holiday season. And we will see you February 6th right back here on the Women of Golf in 2024. God bless everybody and have a great uh, holiday season. Thank you very much, Cindy, as always. And if you're going, I hope to see you at the PGA show in January. Yep. Thanks, Ted. <clears throat> Merry Christmas. Right. Happy Hanukkah. All Merry Christmas. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.